Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Five for Breakfast. We're now on our 39th episode of 2021. You know, last week I thought we had a real chance for the speaker to get the bipartisan infrastructure package to the floor for a vote. Unfortunately, some members in the House pushed hard to hold the infrastructure bill hostage until agreement is reached on the reconciliation plan. The president addressed the chamber on Friday decided with the progressives to tie these two bills together, which killed any opportunity for a vote last week. The House is now in a period of committee work and there'll be no votes until at earliest the week of October 18th. Um, however, the speaker is targeting the end of the month for a vote. So despite all these theatrics and power plays of last week, we're still confident the infrastructure bill, which includes $65 billion for broadband, will pass this fall. So speaking of broadband, today we have a great session planned for you to discuss the importance of all fiber networks in a gigabit society. And again, good morning and welcome everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, the president and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. Last time we met, excuse me, we met with our, my good friend, Chris Cook, uh, the CEO of LOX, and his partner, cybersecurity expert, Chris Silvers, who shared with us 10 steps to avoid a cyber breach. This morning, our guest is Omnia's Michael Philpot, who's going to share his latest research on the importance of all fiber networks in a gigabit society. Michael is Omnia's leading analyst in the broadband and connected home area. As a research director for service provider consumers, uh, he delivers thought leadership to Omnia's clients on digital home, go-to-market strategy, and he produces reports, case studies, and forecasts in areas of smart home, smart Wi-Fi, connected home, and broadband access strategy. He joined Omnia, formerly OVM, in 2000 as a consultant and networks and infrastructure team before moving to the analyst side of the business, establishing and leading Omnia's uh, broadband, telco, media, and smart home analyst services. Before joining Omnia, he worked at BT, British Telecom, in their R&D laboratory at Astro Park designing XDSL and fiber optic networks. So not only can he forecast, but he knows how to build these networks. So I'm very I'm glad to have you, Michael. So welcome. Thank you, Gary. For our audience, please type any questions as you go on our Q&A, and uh, we'll get to those questions at the end of Michael's presentation. With that, I'd like to turn it over to Michael. Okay, so um, Trish, I think you can move to the next slide. Um, I think it's fairly obvious everyone on this call that COVID-19 has caused significant changes um, to uh, consumer trends. Um, some of those changes have been you know, completely new, at least to the majority of us, things like you know, wearing masks in public, not being able to shake hands or, or meet our loved ones, et cetera. Um, but many, I would say, actually just rapid acceleration of existing trends um, before the pandemic. Um, and that's why I personally believe that many of those trends won't just simply flip back um, to normal uh, once this is all over. And we're starting to see some of that um, 
become evident in, in our societies. Here's is just a few examples of uh, recent um, press uh, titles and from, from the UK market, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that you see similar trends in, in the US. Um, so the first one is about workers not really expected to go uh, back full time into the office. In fact, I think it's about 70% of UK workers that don't expect to go at least uh, every day back into the office. And of course, that has a number of different impacts um, uh, not just on businesses themselves, but all the businesses that support um, those commuters and the people in, in the offices. Also, we're seeing other impacts. Um, just This is just one example uh, where restaurants, even though they're now fully back open and people can go and eat back in the restaurants again, um, the level of takeaway business that they were doing in the pandemic hasn't really shrunk. And so now they're having to kind of manage both a live audience as well as and all people coming in in their motorbike helmets and et cetera to take their those takeaway dinners away. So they're having to very quickly adapt um, their businesses to the, the new reality. Of course, businesses that were already highly digitized were managed to ride out the impact from the pandemic. In fact, certain ones um, have actually benefited significantly um, from it, uh, whereas others who haven't been able to really manage that transition um, are really starting to, to struggle. So that suggests that businesses and countries actually as a whole that are already highly digitized and have, already have advanced broadband networks will be able to spring back um, from this crisis as well as manage other ones in the future far better than those countries um, that are not. So that puts a new focus back on the digital divide. Um, and when everyone talks about the digital divide, what you see is a chart um, such as this, which showing a fairly optimistic view um, of the world, where we're going from a 50% connected population back in 2019 to about 70% by 2026. Uh, and then normally the, the focus then goes on to how do we connect the rest of those 30% uh, of people. And, and that's quite understandable because we know that the, as you increase broadband penetration, then we increase uh, GDP as well as labour productivity. But what's not often talked about is what's beneath that line, what's making up um, that line. Because other than, unlike other type of utility type services, such as electricity and gas, broadband is different because broadband has a quality element uh, to it. Um, I know there's some stats such as from the EIB that shows that every time we double speed, we also uh, grow GDP further. I think it's fairly obvious to us, we, we, can, we know that if you've got a better quality broadband connection, you can just do more, more with it. So really, when we talk about the digital divide, we should be focusing on, on this type of data. Trish, if you just click once more. Where we show not just the unconnected population, but how um, people are being connected as well. And Omdi has spent quite a lot of time accurately measuring this on a, on a country by country basis, because we think that this is really important to understand, because if you look at it through this lens, then what you see is that actually the digital divide isn't shrinking at all. If anything, I would say it's it's growing. Uh, just as a quick example, if you look at North America, there'll be more people on a gigabit connection by 2026 than there will the total population of Africa that's connected through any type of fixed broadband um, connection. And that's not just at a regional level, but if you break those regions down, it's, it's a country by country basis. And even just at actually an individual country, you get cities um, where gigabit type connections 
uh, will become quite common, whereas in, in more rural areas, they'll still be on quite slow uh, broadband speeds. So if you want to level up, not just countries, but the world as a whole, then we must invest in, in not just broadband connectivity, but high quality broadband connectivity. Um, but is it all just about speed? Um, and the answer to that really is a kind of a yes and, and no uh, type answer. Um, because yes, I mean, we know that speed is important, especially as you move to more cloud-based applications and more video-based applications as well that require higher rates of bandwidth in order to deliver those in a, in a quality way. We, we know that speed is, is important um, for that. And we know that when we're investing in today's broadband networks, they don't have to just cope with the demands of the networks today. Because I often get asked, you know, especially around fiber de deployment, you know, what application, Michael, will can warrant me investing in, in fiber broadband technology that will enable gigabit speeds? What, you know, what, what on earth would, would kind of uh, make that um, viable? But of course, when we put in the infrastructure in the ground today, we're not just putting it in for what we're doing today, but for the future. I mean, this technology and this infrastructure will be in the ground for 20 or 30 years or more. We must plan for that. And it's always a mistake that a lot of people make. I just pulled up a quote um, from a report back in 2013, where um, this group did a, some analysis and they said by 2023, um, you know, the most that most households will want is 20 megabits per second. And it's not that they did that modeling wrong, in any way, it's only because they only took about the trends that were happening at that time, not the trends that were going to happen in, in in ten years time. I think it's quite obvious to us, even though we're not even at 2023 now, that 20 megabits is just not enough. So we have to plan for that future. But having said all that, speed isn't everything either. Um, and Trish, if you move on to the next slide, because when it comes down to both consumers and, and businesses. I mean, yes, as I said before, speed is important to them, but it's not the only factor. It's not the only thing that makes up a good quality broadband service. In fact, the number one uh, feature is 100% reliable and 100% um, consistent uh, broadband service. Uh, and then it's speed and then also other things, but basically it's all around getting your favorite applications and services uh, in, a, in a quality and a consistent way. And we know that um, fiber delivers that quality far better um, than all, all other technologies in the core and the access network. This is data from a company called Medex, um, which is based in, in Europe and, and they do network testing. And you can see that that fiber is just not, sorry, is not just um, superior in terms of delivering download speeds and upload speeds, but also in a number of other areas such as latency and jitter. And we also know that it's the most reliable and more consistent um, technology uh, as well. So that's why, you know, when we're moving to this higher quality, high broadband uh, type services, that fiber is a fundamental technology that will deliver that um, going forwards. We have to understand that fiber has other benefits as well, especially when we're delivering those business cases. If you just delivered a business case that was only based around speed, um, then justifying fiber would be very difficult. And you have to take into account all the other um, qualities that it brings as well, not just those quality experience metrics, but, but other ones um, too. Um, so for example, it has a number of benefits um, to the operator. It can increase ARPU, and we've seen evidence of that 
um, around the world as we move away from just competing around price versus sorry, uh, price versus speed, and moving to this more idea of quality and, and fiber fun, uh, being the fundamental driver of that quality. You can start to see if you look at that red line. I know it's on the uh, a shallow uh, rise upwards, but you can see that we're predicting this ARPU growth um, as, as operators and um, do that. Um, it might be only a very small growth in uh, in ARPU, but um, believe me, I've been covering this market for, for many years, and it's the first time in, in many years that, that that line has started to go up and, and, not, and not down. Um, it also reduces churn. Um, we've got a number of evidence. So here's just a couple of examples. Um, Massmobile in Spain, as they moved to the fiber to the home network, and they instantly topped their network quality rankings uh, in that country. Uh, Bell Canada as well, a bit closer to home. Um, highlighted lower churn rates for its fiber to the home uh, customers compared to its uh, copper-based ones. We know that it has reduced maintenance because it just uh, basically just has less active equipment uh, in the network uh, and therefore it's much more efficient um, to, to manage and it goes less, um, uh, less often. Sorry, it goes wrong um, less often. Um, as a reduced infrastructure because for the, the greater bandwidth using a smaller number of racks and switches, so we are able to shut down a number of the footprint uh, as well. Um, and uh, for, for those reasons uh, as well, um, we know that it has a much lower energy consumption. So, uh, for example, Telefonic in Spain announced that the fiber to the home network was 85% more efficient. Um, I'm sorry, uh, the PowerPoint has um, cut a couple of words off there, 85% more efficient um, than their copper-based uh, network. Um, and this is an important factor and something that I think governments around the world uh, need to recognize is that as we move to higher quality broadbands and specifically fiber-based high quality broadband networks, uh, there are significant benefits um, to the community. So the benefits are not just for the, for the operator here, it, it benefits the country as a whole. And we've already talked about the increased um, GDP and labor and productivity. We also know that high quality broadband bring efficiencies and improvements around education, healthcare, and social equality. Um, we know that also that broadband um, enables countries to level up. I don't know if that's a term that you use, but it's certainly a very active political term over here. And what we mean by um, leveling up is enabling people to live in the areas of the country that they want to live in uh, and give them the same opportunities as those people live in, in, the, in the big cities. Um, Omni did a recent uh, study with UK estate agents, and we, um, we, that study shows um, that broadband is now the third most important feature that people are looking for uh, when, they, when they purchase their homes. 70% uh, of UK estate agents stated that gigabit broadband would significantly boost or boost um, demands in their area. And we know that it's also, in looking at the green agenda, if we use the fiber optic networks to power this quality broadband, then we move to a more environmental and sustainable network as well. So given that the importance of fiber and in the future uh, broadband networks, uh, Omni created uh, last year a new fiber development index. I know that there are other indexes um, around, the, around the world, um, but those indexes tend to be focus on, on one uh, metric only or a couple of metrics and we wanted to create a, an independent uh, and also a comprehensive uh, index covering um, coverage, penetration and experience and we, we, we basically have an index that covers uh, these seven uh, metrics here. So fiber to the home coverage, um, fiber density, fiber to the home penetration, fiber to the business penetration, mobile cell site fiber penetration and then an experience we're currently measuring download and upload um, speeds.
So this is the most comprehensive index um, that we know of, uh, and it has also just been rubber stamped by the European Etsy organizations as best of breed in terms of how to, how to measure fiber development in, in their country. Before we go on to the results of, of that study, um, it's also important to note not just where countries are uh, on that index, but also where they've, where they've come from. You know, in terms of certainly making, in terms of recommendations, um, it, it's important to note you know, whether they're emerging market or already a highly advanced uh, broadband net market, um, but, uh, but based on uh, copper uh, technologies um, to date. Everyone's going in the same direction, um, but their paths uh, will be different. So here's just the, the higher level um, results. Um, these are the 80 um, some countries that, that we currently cover in that, in that index. Um, we split it into three areas just to, to make the picture a little bit simpler. Uh, so we have the light blue, which we consider to be the leading countries. And today, the, these tend to be have, have already um, highly uh, uh, high percentage of fiber coverage in their markets. And then we have the deeper purple countries, um, which largely made up of those uh, already advanced broadband countries, but with high levels of uh, copper infrastructure. Uh, legacy copper infrastructure and a little mix of those some of those emerging markets that are moving to, to fiber first and starting to leapfrog and which is why you have countries such as Mexico and Croatia ahead of countries such as Germany and, and the UK uh, and then we have the pink countries at the, at the end uh, which are the emerging uh, markets too. Now in terms of the US you'll see that it's got towards the top end of that, that middle group um, and that's remember that's not saying that it's not an advanced broadband country today because we know that it is. Um, it's just that there has a legacy, especially in cable, uh, which is kind of holding back in terms of its fiber development. So if we move to the next slide, Trish, we can just look at the US in a little bit more detail. So we can see from the spider chart on the left uh, where the US does have significant fiber uh, coverage is around its, its mobile stage mobile stations, which is which is certainly good for your 5G. Um, de uh, deployments um, and it, we've got high, quite high scores around download speeds. Uh, but that's because you have uh, investments in that in that kind of DOCSIS technology as well as uh, XDSL um, technology. So you can see where the areas you're starting to to lack around that fiber um, to the home um, penetration. And going forward in the next five years, we do see uh, the DSL dropping off quite rapidly in, in replacement um, for, for fiber. Uh, with cable is holding quite strong, although this this, this uh, forecast was done at the start of the year, and we're just going into a renewal of, of that data now. We might see a, a quicker decline in that cable uh, as they recognise that this, as they move to DOCSIS 4, the, the cost of moving to DOCSIS 4 versus fibre to the premise is quite marginal, but they know that the economic benefits uh, are quite meaningful. So certainly in Europe, we've seen a much faster migration from cable to fibre, and we might see that in the States now. So in terms, I just wanted to show the top level results so you can see how the US compares to the others. Um, just on the on the top cluster, um, which I'll specifically focus in on, you can see that their fiber to the premise coverage um, is, is significant. And that's why they're top. And that's normally because they've had very strong national plans with investments to get that infrastructure out there. Where they're focused on now is getting that fiber to their home penetration and investing in their core network so that they move to more advanced fiber network going forward. And they'll be the first to reach this gigabit um, type society. In the cluster two, where the kind of US sits, you can see that countries are starting to move 
Um, so they have a greater fiber coverage because the strength in their broadband national plans, but they've got a lot of work to do in terms of that copper shutoff, which is, as we know, you know, not a simple, uh, not a simple task. Uh, and then I'll move to the next slide, Trish, so we can just finish with type of questions. So in terms of conclusions, we see that broadband is essential um, to COVID-19 recovery and fiber really is, is kind of the backbone of that um, and it has significant not just economic but socio-economic benefits and it enables us to move to a greener more sustainable world in terms of best practice from those leading countries it's really important that all nations now set a, a strong national broadband plan with ambitious and concrete goals uh, remove all barriers to key infrastructure and building access and encourage the use of existing resources and infrastructure sharing so that we minimize network overbuild, which is a real issue, certainly in many European countries. Um, we provide financial support because certainly the operators on their own cannot cover 100% of the, of the country, so they will need support in doing that. And we need to make sure that there's regulatory flexibility in enabling that to happen. Okay, Gary, that concludes my um, presentation. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. No, it's super interesting. And uh, we got a lot of questions here. But let me just start, you know, Jamie, your colleague came on, um, I guess, a few months ago. And when she was talking about ARPU, she really didn't see a ceiling for um, broadband ARPU. Is that what you're seeing? Is that, you know, when you said, um, I mean, I think you showed that fiber had the strongest uh, average revenue per user. Uh, do you see a ceiling on that? Or is, I mean, people will just, they're desperate for having a good quality experience and will pay whatever they need to pay to have that? No, I, I think there will. I mean, we've certainly seen an uptick, which is which is good to see. I say first time in a long time. I, I personally do think that that there is a ceiling, you know, simply because of competitive pressures. You know, it's always the case. You know, that competition will come in, and that will that will demand. You know, that will command what the, what the ceiling is. However, having said that, um, there are a number of ways that you can continue to grow the app around that experience. So you will start to see other types of features and services being delivered that kind of sit around the broadband experience. Mm -hmm. uh, today, we've seen things like advanced parental control and I, IoT cybersecurity so that we keep that broadband connection safe. But you know, you can see that there'll be other things in the future. So um, I do think that there's a, there's a ceiling on the ARPU itself, but then they will find other ways of growing revenues beyond it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're seeing that gigabit and 10 gig services are going down you know seeing 70 dollars a month 49 dollars i mean so the prices of the connectivity is going down but being able to add on things like managed wi-fi security services you know all these value adds so that you can have a better in-home experience especially those working from home which we see a number of you guys do from our poll uh, so i got a question here if we have all this increased capacity um you know will we be able to use it so um you know is it so we have these gigabit and 10 gig networks will we be using that and what kind of applications are you seeing i said i think so i mean i said in the start of my presentation it's, it's not that i don't see like you know if you got a gigabit second today i'm not saying you wouldn't use it but you i don't think we need a gigabit second today um but what i was getting at is that what we what we have to build out networks today is for that future so I, I certainly think that we'll be using gigabit networks, you know, 10 years down the line, that's for sure. And the infrastructure we put in the ground now has to be able to cope with that, with that, with that future demand. Um, so yeah, I, I see that, but you know, we're a few years off um, 
using all of it for sure. It's kind of like your car. You don't need, um, you don't drive 100 miles an hour, hopefully, but you certainly, it's nice to know that you, you have that capacity if you ever need it. Um, also, uh, so I got a comment here that you're, you know, with fiber, the Fiber Broadband Association audience here, you're preaching to the choir. Um, but, you know, are you seeing, um, are you guys engaged with any of the legislators or regulators that don't seem to appreciate the massive benefits of ubiquitous and robust fiber deployment? We, we, have, we, have, we have seen, uh, a, a, yeah, we have seen a, a change in, in their views, um, a tightening up of those regulations, you know, certainly in, in, in Europe, they've already released a new set of regulations to really try and help this move to fiber. And we've seen that uh, in many other countries as well. In the UK, for example, we have Project Gigabit, uh, where they're pumping in five billion uh, dollars, sorry, five billion pounds worth of, of investment uh, into kind of into this infrastructure, trying to get it out there to, to all parts of the of, of the country. Uh, so we are see, seeing that. My 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 fear is though is that um, and that's why at the end I said you know that we have concrete targets because my fear is that there's, there's so many pressures on governments. Um, there is that it might be a proprietary right, sorry, uh, might be uh, important right now, but you know will it lose um, importance going down the line, or will, will other other factors come in and be more important you know they've only got so much money to spend you know will, will it kind of be shifted somewhere else so, that, so that's my kind of fear is that those targets slip um, but we are seeing a kind of a, an increase in, in focus on them right now well that was actually another question is uh, you know given here in the US you know we have billions and billions uh, you know either from the corona um, you know capital projects or the ARPA and with the $65 billion for infrastructure there. So there's billions and billions and billions that are going to be funneled into building out, you know, the U.S.'s fiber infrastructure. Um, you are seeing that same kind of thing in uh, UK and other countries in Europe? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, just as an example in, in the UK, um, I think they're looking to, it's, it's mainly focused around gigabits. So they haven't been technical technology specific. And I think you probably see that in other countries. As, as well, they don't they don't say it has to be fiber, but they are their their aim is around a gigabit. In other countries, we have seen it it's, it is it has to be fiber. So we have seen that in some countries in the UK, it, it it's not. Um, but yeah, they're looking at about 85% population um, covered by a gigabit type um, broadband technologies um, by about 2026. So not that far away. It's quite ambitious. Um, the the big question is, you know, will will they hit those targets? And uh, I had someone who asked you to circle back on your point of utilizing existing infrastructure to minimize network overbuild. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah, I mean, it's basically um, a situation where you get um, numerous um, competitive operators all deploying um, the fiber network over the top of each other. Um, so you'll get, you know, six operators putting infrastructure into the into the same building, which is, you know, on the one hand, that's a significant, you know, waste of money, you know, worse of investment. Um, on the other hand, what you don't want is just one operator going in and connecting the building, um, and then locking that customer into that one operator. So, so that's what I meant by kind of flexibility. So you, you don't you want to minimize the level of 
of overbuild so that you kind of maximize your investment if you, if, if you like, but you don't want to lock customers in. So your regulator has to be able to manage both of those things. Yeah, that's a big can of worms to, <laughs> to open. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's one of the hottest topics right now, I would say. Yeah. So I have a, a, a local municipality is asking what they can do to move forward towards a focus on fiber infrastructure. Do you have any advice? Um, from a local municipality? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, um, I mean, the, the, the main thing will be to try and get um, some of those lessons I, I meant that I kind of highlighted in my conclusion in, in terms of making sure that you maximize that investment and look for government grants where you can to, to help um, deliver that. Um, try probably work with a, a an operator that will be open and allow then multiple ISPs to come in and operate over that infrastructure so that you maximize that, that investment. So those a number of those, although that those key recommendations um, were kind of at a country level I had on my last slide, I think a lot of them will be applicable to municipality. They just need to kind of obviously make them relevant to their particular use case. Yeah, I would just add, you know, the Fiber Broadband Association can certainly be a resource. You know, Michael had a number of stats on the improvement to GDP and economic growth, but, you know, you have to think about fiber is really the foundation you're building on. And so if you think about fiber, you think about jobs, economic development, smart grid modernization, and the path to 5G. So it's it's really the foundation. And to do anything um, that's not fiber, we would say it's not broadband. All right, well, um, let me just give you one last question from one of our researchers. It says, when you're indexing fiber by country, are you looking for true fiber to the individual living unit, or are you counting fiber to the building um, that does not provide the same experience? No, no, yes, so we, it is fiber to the, which is why we say fiber to the premise on, on that one, and then fiber to the home. Um, so we, yeah, we are looking at the fiber right down to the, uh, the apartment. All right, well, listen, um, we still have more questions coming in, but uh, we'll have to address those offline. Michael, this is awesome. Thanks for sharing your research and expertise with our audience. And next week, we're going to be charting a course through the dangerous fiber network waters with IQGO's Vice President Wade Anderson and Solution Engineer Kyle Arnell as they discuss the perils that lie among the fiber operator journey and outline a three-step maturity model that should help you keep, keep you out of the weeds and on course to and your mission to deliver the best possible broadband services to your customers. That sounds quite interesting. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. Please join us again next Wednesday and thanks everybody. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.